When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to our brand new Borough podcast. Uh, it's with it being the first week, it's the same week as I talk rank as first year in charge. Uh, I'm Dom Shaw and I'm with Anthony Vickers and Philip Talentaya. And we're looking back on, on Karanka's first year in charge. Uh, Vic, Phil, first things first, huge success. Uh, absolutely. I don't think you could ask for anything more. Uh, I don't think there's any question that the team who took over was in trouble and possibly was going to get dragged into the relegation zone. Uh, the transformation in the first few months was quite incredible really it it built a platform finished very well at the back end of last season with six wins out of eight and uh, he's brought the players he wants to make the system work and from what we can see this this season the system is working and there's an air of success about it so uh, happy first birthday and let's uh, let's push on to the next one in the Premier League yeah I think looking at it from from the outside in so to speak um, the the two tasks that he's been asked to do uh, for me, he, he's come through, you know, um, really impressively. The first one was, as as Vic pointed out, there took over the team that was struggling, and within weeks he'd sorted out a defence that was a real mess, wasn't it? You know, we can always remember those games. I mean, Barnsley was the worst example where the, the you know they raced into a three 0 lead largely because the team just didn't look as though it knew what it was doing defensively. He got the grips with that without too many changes of personnel and made Bury incredibly hard to break down last season. You know, Suddenly we were seeing clean sheet after clean sheet, and that was something new, uh, certainly that season, and potentially the season before as well. And of course, he's rebuilt so well. I mean, obviously the jury's out in terms of where Borough finished this season, but the signs are good. We're 17 games into the campaign, a point off the top of the table. And really, if you take the form since the transfer deadline day... Borough are pretty much the form team in the division with you know with one or two of the clubs also up there as well, Ipswich, Bournemouth, etc. So, you know, the signs are good. He's a complete no-nonsense character. I think we'll, we'll be talking about that a lot over the coming weeks and months. But he's just such an organised-together individual. And we saw that with the transfers. We've seen that with players who've been set aside, for want of a better expression, because they're perhaps either thought they're better than they think they are, as Aitor always says, or just, just didn't fit the grand plan. We, know we saw last season, didn't we, tactically, the team, you know, the manager was criticised for not being flexible tactically, but he was honest and he said, I haven't got the players to play another way. And when I get the players, I will play another way. And he's done that. He, you know, As a manager, he's refreshingly honest. And um, it, football fans, understandably, don't always take managers at face value because they're so used to being given double messages. But... No doubt about it. If he says you know somebody isn't in the team because they're not playing well enough, that's what he means. And that's it with McLaren. There was always that you know the regardless of what happened, he'd put a positive spin on it, wouldn't he? Whereas Karanga, it kind of took a bit of getting used to, didn't it? That element of facing up and, and being brutally honest and critical of the players immediately after the game. Yeah, you know, and maybe it's a different way that the Spanish press react differently. I mean, obviously there are national characteristics. You know, we know that from when we used to interview the Dutch players. The Dutch players that totally different approach to the, to the way they, they deal with the press and maybe there's a bit of that with Carranca because uh, in Spain very often he was the, the, 
the voice piece for uh, Jose Mourinho after a, after a match, and uh, he he took a very obviously no nonsense approach there, but also coming from that background with Real Madrid, I think he has incredibly high standards. And it was quite clear from the moment he walked through the door that he was going to impose them standards on everyone. And it's been really interesting. I mean, obviously fans don't see that. They see what's on the pitch. But behind the scenes, there has been a quite marked cultural change within the club. Uh, Everyday aspects now. I mean, Phil will tell you in more detail, but uh, everything is micromanaged now behind the scenes. Everything falls into into Aitor Karanka's template. And anything that doesn't, he's quite open saying, I'm not having that. And even uh, when, when players are good players, important players, influential players, if they're not doing what he's told them to do, he will, he will drop them and he will make it public as to why he's doing that. I mean, the mo- most notable one, obviously, was uh, when he dropped carry-on. And, you know, we asked him instantly afterwards, oh, you know, what, where's carry-on today? Oh, I dropped him because he has a bad attitude. Mm. I mean, that, that kind of thing, you know, it reverberates through fans because you don't hear that. And when he was asked to elaborate on it, he did. Yeah. I mean, he was quite clear about it. You know, yeah. He wasn't doing what I've asked him to do. He doesn't want people to do step-overs. He doesn't want you to, to, to show how good you are as a five-a-side player. He sends you out with a tactical plan and he wants you to do it. If you don't, you're watching the next game from the stands. And that's been throughout his year in charge. And sometimes we might think, oh, why is so-and-so being dropped? And why is Kenneth Amoro in the stands? Well, because he's had two or three bad games. And he might have been the brightest, uh, the brightest of our signings in the summer. And you know, there might be a perception that he's the best defender in the division. But he had two or three bad games and he clearly wasn't doing what he'd been told to do. Well, that was the example with Kiki on Saturday, wasn't yeah, it? He was asked straight after the match. Um, you went with Patrick Bamford as the lone attacker in that system instead of Kiki. Um, any reason why? And he, he said, yes, Patrick's um, done well and been scoring goals and Kiki for the last two or three games has been in the team and hasn't been scoring goals. What more do you want from a manager? <laughs> you, know, that's it. you know, the examples Vic's talking about, and there are a million of them, but, you know, the what... To, to give an example of how he micromanages everything and possibly, you could argue, almost too much micromanagement, but hey, let's have a manager who you know, gets the tactics board out more than once a year. You know, let's have a manager who, who, who prepares, you know, the old said, isn't it? Fail to prepare, prepare to fail. And he'll not be found wanting on that front. He's, you know, again, Vic's pointing out there, it's my way or the highway. You know, he's the manager, it's my way. You train hard. He, he said in a number of interviews over the past few days... Um, I, I train like a match because then when we play the match it won't come as a shock to the players they'll know exactly the pace and tempo I want them to play at you know, that, I'm sure that some of the managers do that as well but for him to express it so blatantly and I mean, a great example of how much he micromanages is um, uh, I'll give you one example well there's two actually uh, there's one when I spoke to Leo Perkovic for an extended interview in the summer. Now, we t- the interview took place just after the end of the season and it was um, all agreed and it was down at Rockcliffe Park and we were chatting for a long time. It was a fantastic interview. But we decided to use it later in the summer when there was, uh, we started building up towards the rest of the season and um, Leo called me one day and said, oh, thanks for the article, really enjoyed reading it. But um, I got wrong off Aitor Karanka. And he says, oh, why is that? And, uh, and he said uh, he wanted to know why he hadn't run the interview by him. And, I, and he explained, it was the interview you okayed back in May. So even though a month or so had passed, 
he'd actually spotted the interview and taken it up with Leo to say, you know, why didn't you run it by me first? Of course he had, but that just shows you... He's in charge of everything. Yeah, he doesn't miss it. Everything. And the other thing is, he's utterly, utterly ruthless. And in the past, managers have maybe pandered to egos because you know, the footballers are pampered. You know, from the, from the moment they're the best player in school, they're pampered. And they're used to getting their way and they don't, they don't know how to deal with it when someone calls them on things. But Karanka does. He's got no time whatsoever for their egos. I mean, he, he's, he's incredible. He's the sort of person that you think would, would drop his own grandmother from Christmas dinner because last year she didn't, she didn't do something quite... And she would say, he would say, well, I thought I would go with another grandmother. <laughs> Maybe she thought she was better than she yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> and for that, she isn't happy. Utterly ruthless. Yeah. And the players know that now. I think when a new manager comes in, you know, there's a little bit of a bedding period where players indulge the new manager mm. and then gradually they slip back into their old habits and Mogger for instance had huge problems because he like for instance BK would turn up late every day and it might only be two minutes late but it was sends almost a message like a, though, doesn't it, sends it as well. a massive a, yeah. a message I think if you turned up two minutes late for Karanka I think you would be out of the team no question about it and, and, and he applies the same rules to, to himself everyone. yeah you know, I mean, you, you turn up for a press conference on a Thursday and it's due to start at 12.30. You better be in the room at 12.30 because he is. And when it was once put to him recently that, um, why are you always on time f- for your press conferences, I told you. know, previous Middlesbrough managers have been 20, 30, 40, sometimes an hour late for a press conference because that's what managers normally do. And he says, well, I've got an appointment. It's good manners to turn up to an appointment on time. Now... We appreciate that as journalists, but also it just sets out the message that, you know, whether you're a journalist or a footballer or a or a or a manager or a, whatever you are, there are certain standards of behaviour that he expects of you, and also expects you to expect of him, if that makes sense. Mm. So he's a stickler for punctuality, um, you know, and also I've been at press, press conferences where people have you know come in a couple of minutes late, and you could see. You know, not happy about it, and rightly so. He's giving up his time to speak to the press. He expects you to afford him the same, you know, um, good manners. And it was only last week, I think it was last week. I can't remember what game it was after, but he's talking about how everyone's, you know, the same at the club, regardless of whether you're the kit man or, or the chairman. You know, I don't know how Gibson will take in that, but it, it, you know, it does show, doesn't it, that everyone's equal. No one's looking down on anyone yeah, else. Within I the think club. you can feel it in the club. I think it's a very different attitude within the club. Uh, of course, every, every manager is different, and, and sometimes it's nice if the manager's your friend, and, and it can b- builds that can build team spirit as well. And if you get results and it's working, that holds together. But I think what's what he's created at Borough now is something that that will hold together even if results go wrong. Because I don't think he's going to waver for a second on it. I mean, he, he is utterly driven, totally professional. Uh, he's a man in a hurry. He wants to be a success at Middlesbrough because he, he sees himself, you know, talking about the, the time management there. I, I think he will have a plan so that in two years' time or whatever, he goes to Spain as a manager of a big club. And he's got no time for messing around at Middlesbrough. It has to be a success. Mm. And he's driven in that in almost every day. But I think what's also impressive is that he does see coming to Middlesbrough as part of a life experience. He isn't, he isn't, you know, when he, when he spoke to us when he first arrived at the, in the country and we were saying, why have you come to Middlesbrough? Well, yes, like Steve Gibson, like the setup of the club, all of that, he made a big point of saying everything about the setup of Middlesbrough is fantastic. The chairman's a, a real gentleman and a guy you can work for. But he also wanted to come to England 
to, to live the lifestyle. You know, he's been saying this week that he's been for fish and chips in Whitby, he's been to Leeds, he's been to wherever you want to go to been on a to weekend. Yeah, been to York, York, uh, York for a look around. You know, he went to America and did the same thing. Yeah. You know, when he when he went to America, he probably could have played on for longer in Spain or gone to another European club. He uprooted his family and, and took them to America to learn the language, adopt the culture, as adopt well, you the can culture, see that, and you? and so. It's it's part of the bigger picture with him. He's a very rounded individual, and I know we sat here making him sound like he's some sort of god, and that isn't the intention. But you know, in English football and probably parts of world football is very insular. You know, it's all about in the moment, not looking beyond your own borders. You know, and, and when you get somebody like an Itar Karanka or an English player who goes abroad like Gary Lineker and and learns a language and, and settles well. It's refreshing because they want to be more than just a footballer in that community. And I think Aitor, as Vic says, is here. He's, he's a man in a hurry. But I think he, I think he buys into the Middlesbrough project. And I think if Middlesbrough promoted this season, that certainly seems, you know, the worry would be if Borough did as well in the Premier League as we hoped they Someone would. Come if they emulate a Swansea or they emulate one of the other clubs that's gone up and done well. His reputation, his links with Mourinho... It would be a, it'd be hard to keep hold of him. I know that's finishing on a negative from a, what we started on as a positive, but we know the game. If you've got a good manager, it's it's really hard to keep it's hold. It's a good negative, though, isn't it? Yeah, you get of course it is. Success. Of course it is. Yeah. yeah, of course it is. It's like signing a good player on the relative cheap, and you get three times the value for him in the transfer market. And and you'd mentioned there about him being in a hurry. He'd said this week that he's kind of ahead of schedule, but he didn't expect Borough to be where they are now. Do, do you buy into that, or do you think? He's just kind of trying to play it down a little bit as to as to what he's achieved in the first year. I think I think, um, and I think Lab's own opinion on it. I think maybe he's been a little bit disingenuous there, but then again, he he came in and was probably given assurances by Steve Gibson that you know get the team sorted out before the end of this season, and then next season you'll see that we're going to invest in the squad and. The, the chairman's been good to his word, but I suspect in football that isn't always the case. So he probably thought when he came to Borough, well, the chairman seems a really good guy, but will he honour his promises? Um, you can think of a million managers who've gone to clubs where they've been promised the earth, and then you know, as Terry Venables said when he went to Leeds, this isn't how it was advertised in the brochure. <laughs> you know, so so I think I think he's probably pleasantly surprised, probably because Steve Gibson's been a man of his word and he's backed him to to, to build this squad of two players for each position. Yeah. So, but I would think he he he'd have thought that. You know, he'd like to. Have th- I'm sure that his target at the start of the season was the top two. He mightn't say that publicly. We, we spoke with a quite a lengthy off the record briefing over the summer with Steve Gibson and Neil Bowser, and it was quite clear there that they were drawing up battle plans to be, if not promoted this season, certainly in the playoffs, mm. because that's you know they, they've spent three years clawing back a lot of money, cutting corners, trimming costs, in order to finance. A, a promotion push and obviously as more and more rich teams come into the championship it's getting very hard to compete and I think in a lot of ways it's not all eggs in one basket and I'm not, not for a second saying that, that if we don't go up this year that that's it but certainly the long term plans have been put into place to have one good crack and that good crack is this season and I think Aitor Karanka understands that that this could be Borough's best chance yeah it's a relatively weak division. Borough have managed to put a lot of money on the table and they've brought in some good players who are probably worth more than they actually got. You know, they're getting more value for money and yeah. the team is now 
more than its some of its parts. So I think it's important that we make that count. And that's got to be this year, realistically, because you don't know what the configuration of the league is next year. You can't budget. For, we don't know who's coming down. We don't know who's going up. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's all been geared towards this season, I think. I think he knows that. I think secretly he will be aiming for the top two and finishing six would be a kind of booby prize mm. because then, we, then you're in a lottery. But I think everything in the club has been mentally geared to that. Which is a good thing. And, yeah. and, and there's a good thing that there seems to be a buy-in within the club. We were talking before about um, the way he manages and the, the fact that he just doesn't, you know, he won't be having with a player's egos. And, you know, talking to Lee Tomlin last week, who was asked about, you know, coming in the team and not being in the team. And he was very, I don't think he was, I don't think he was saying it for our benefit. He was saying, look, people think you've been dropped when you're not in the team. He says, I don't see it like that. The manager will explain to you, this game isn't for you. Mm. The way we're going to play today and the team that we're playing isn't a game that is going to suit you. Now, you can take that one or two ways. The old-fashioned pro would say, well, that's it, I'm storming out and I'm going back to the bookies or I'm going to play snooker this afternoon and to, to heck with the club. Yeah. The modern-day football, I think, by and large, understands that it's a squad game. You know, And if you, pay, if you play... 30 of the 46 league games you've done pretty well yeah, absolutely you know and it, that that is what you have to buy into now you know he will change the formation as we've seen from match to match and game to game I think Burry tried three or four formations against Bournemouth at one time or another I don't know if that was by um, by luck or judgment yeah. but, but that, that's the game we're dealing with he will leave Kike out as we've discussed he will leave Kenneth Omaru on the bench he will you know he will change he will change a player at the drop of a hat if he thinks it's for the betterment of the team and um, you know the, the the proof of the pudding is in the eating. And so far, it would appear that because he's got the squad to do that now, um, it's working for the club. Fingers crossed, it works for the rest of the season. We had the obviously we've done the the anniversary survey where we've had fifteen hundred odd uh, people taking part, and and all of the grades that he's been given a, a B and above signing selections tactics. Uh, and obviously we've done the That's modern uh, marking. They've lowered the standards. <laughs> Uh, we've done the best, best, uh, best signing, most improved player. So just briefly, I know we, we've done this ourselves, but uh, most improved first of all, Vic. I think George Friend. I, I think he was always a good defender, uh, but at times at the, the start of last season he looked lost. He was out of position. I think we did a breakdown, and something like eighty percent of the goals had come through that flank, or he'd given away free kicks. And now he looks a solid defender, a marauding uh, wing back. The most impressive thing for me is he's really toughened up. Yeah. Because I remember the game at Forest uh, just over a year ago, and both goals came because he got brushed off the ball really easily. But now, no one brushes him off the ball. You know, he, he's turned into a. Uh, he's got a core of steel, and as we've said at Brighton, you know, we've been describing him as. Raffles, gentleman, thug, because <laughs> although he's well spoken, yeah, public school educated, he can handle himself now, yeah. and he, he flattened that Texas area. He's a bit of an edge exactly. as well. Yeah. At the end of the game, I think it was—I can't remember who it was against Bournemouth, but someone. Uh, clattered him late on and he, yeah. he kind of got up and retaliated yeah. and a year ago you wouldn't have seen well, that for me, that, to his game, for me that, that, that transformation from soft centred uh, cultured at times but maybe not fully focused into a, a, a football machine that for me is a cipher for what's happened in the last year yeah and Phil? Yeah, I mean, obviously George has come on leaps and bounds. Ben Gibson's improving all the time, Danny Ayala. But for me, Adam Reach has just been 
Well, you know, when you think where he was less than a year ago, less than six months ago, he was on his way out of the club probably. Um, it was a player who has bags of ability. I think everyone accepts that. Talented young lad. It reminds me a little bit, funny enough, of James Morrison, a quiet lad who's got an inner steel. And you think, you know, initially he's just dour. He's not. He's just contained. He's quiet. He's a nice lad. Yeah. But he's, he's, he's now looks on a football pitch like a man. I, I thought when he came on on a recent game when he was brought off the bench to come on the pitch um, he immediately looked like a man who thought right, I belong here yeah. a little bit like Stuart Downing when he matured I belong here I'm going to have a go give me the ball I want to do something with it now I can remember talking to Tony Mowbray about Adam Reach and he loved Reachy to bits, you know, Tony. He was a player. It was a manager who liked young players and wanted them to perform, but he just tore his hair up because he couldn't get these the likes of Reach and, and Luke Williams to make that next step from promising under twenty one to first team regular. And it's taken some time with Reach. He's been out on loan, and that's probably been a big help. He's I was going to say Williams can take a lot of uh, you know a lot of heart. Yeah. Kind Interestingly, of Reach is one that has really bought into the Karanka philosophy yeah. as well. Yeah. You know, he appreciates the framework that that discipline has given him mm. because it, it's it's cut out a lot of the, work, the mistakes it, it's given him some positional security he's now playing with George Friend behind him that looks a solid player and he can express himself but also he's aware that he's got to make that contribution to the team because if he doesn't he's out next week well the good thing that Karanka's done is and I think a lot of managers wouldn't have done it he, he brought in big name signings on deadline day, particularly Yannick Wilshut, who was earmarked for that place probably, yeah. left hand side of midfield. And he stuck with Adam because he was the form player. And Wilshut's still really waiting for his chance. Yeah. He, had, he, of course, played out of his skin at. He's had at, 90 uh, minutes, hasn't he? That's all. Him, but, but he's had to wait his time because the manager says, No, Adam Reach has been doing well for me. I want to leave him in the team. Um, he's a potential match winner. And so for me, to go from a player who. If he'd left last season, would have barely registered. Let's be honest. Yeah. To this season, signing a new long-term contract um, and being out with George Friend, in George Friend's opinion, the best player of the season so far, along with Grant Ledbetter. So, you know, it's uh, you know more power to him. And as well, I think it pours water on the fire of this concern that uh, a foreign manager is going to come in and he's not going to be interested in the in the young English players coming in because Reach and Gibson. Have, have been arguably the pick of, you know in any in any team of the last decade that have got in, wouldn't they? Well, one of the, at the minute. one of the things that's come out, and he said it fairly early on in his time at the club, is he, he admitted that his plan when he came was to bring in young players from Spain mm. to bolster the squad, technically excellent players who would develop in England, and within weeks he realised this isn't the environment. So to bring in young English players the same rule applies they've got to be able to cope at the moment Luke Williams is struggling to impose himself on a match by match basis hopefully the loan spell will do him the world of good but as we've seen with Ryan Fredericks alright he's not a Borough player but he's come in and he's been given his chance and he's taken it he's a young lad barely out of the under 21s Adam Reach barely out of the under 21s Ben Gibson barely out of the under 21s these players have proven that the manager will back you if you if you basically if you man up on the pitch, yeah. looking forward then just briefly to to conclude another year down the line. I know the obvi- the obvious answer is promotion, but where where will where, where can Karenka take? Where where will we be a year down the line, and and how how much will we progress as a team? Well, I think the interesting thing is that he hasn't just collected a load of players together and got them you know, in a position for promotion. He's created a shape and a framework. 
and everyone in the club are interchangeable parts in that framework. I think if you go up on that basis, it's easier to get people to fit to keep the framework and maybe replace two or three parts. That's much better than going up and then having to, to rebuild a team and a different shape for a different environment. And I think he's already thinking ahead. And we've seen that we've seen the framework being put in by the chairman and Peter Kenyon and Neil Bowser. That, as exactly as Vic says, it's a bit like an international squad. If you are, if you go to turn tournament and lose your right back, you bring a new right back in, and that's pretty much how they're working. And there'll be there'll be a turnover, whatever happens in the summer, because you'll have your loan players going back. Now, if Borough are promoted, they've got a very good chance of maybe getting Bamford back if they like the look of him. You know, if, if that's if he stays, of course, for yeah. the rest of this season. You know, Ryan Fredericks, mm. and I also think. The gap between the Championship and the top end of the Premier League is huge. But as we've seen, the gap between the Championship and the middle to bottom of the Premier League, I don't think it's as big as it was. Yeah. And I've seen teams go up, like I said, mentioned before, Swansea have gone up there and coped. Southampton. It's, it's also yeah. worth noting that I mean, people think a lot. There was a lot of talk about links with Real Madrid and uh, links in Croatia and with Roma, and people think that's gone cold. It hasn't. But a lot of those players are not prepared to come to the Championship. If you're in the Premier League, I think you'll find it's a lot easier to get a, a lone player from Atletico Madrid. Yeah. And that's when the hard work that's been going on behind the scenes might actually start to bear fruit. Fantastic. Wraps things up for the first week. Um, we'll, we'll try again next week. We'll be back when we're no doubt tearing our hair out ready for football. Um, and we're going to put this on Twitter to get a new name for it because it's as yet untitled. So hopefully uh, Twitter followers will, will give us suggestions for a new name. Cheers.